0: When I knew I was doing the last talk in Luke, I thought I could do that thing that everybody else does and summarize all the talks before, and then there wouldn't be, I wouldn't actually have to say anything new, would I? Because it's a whole year's worth of talks. Anyway, I'm not doing that. Uh, what I've got is um, I'm just going to give you a little insight to kick off with, a little insight into how prophetic things happen for me, uh, and I've got a slight apology to make to Josh because I was sitting roughly where Dave and Velma were a couple of weeks ago, and uh, All of a sudden, this thought dropped into my mind, and it was of a large diesel locomotive. And Alan's going to put something up on the PowerPoint. By the way, this is a first. This is the first PowerPoint I've ever done, but that is the end of it. So so in contrast to all the religious art and things like that that have gone up on, on PowerPoints, here's a picture of a large diesel locomotive and several wagons from uh, behind it. Well, two large diesel locomotives, actually. And it turns out there's 200 wagons behind it. You can actually see this as a YouTube video. I have done so. And it gets very repetitive. (laughs) Very repetitive, indeed, because the wagons go... And then uh, it does cut to a guy driving along in a car with a dog in the car, and the dog's barking. Anyway, if if you're interested, I can give you the link. But... um... (laughs) I'm guessing most of you probably aren't. So uh, anyway, there I was. I was sitting there, uh, standing there worshipping on the other Sunday morning. And it was like all of a sudden uh, I had this picture, this image in my mind, this mental image of that. And what Helen says about me is when I see things or when I think things, it's often pretty transparent in my face. And so I'm sorry if I put you off worshipping because I was going... What is that? Why, you know, here we are in the presence of God thinking what a good God we've got, what a wonderful savior Jesus is. And then you see a diesel locomotive in your mind. It's a little bit, actually not many people are laughing, so maybe you all have this sort of experience. But (laughs) there I was, stood, I was more sort of down at ground level and in my hand I had a lever. And the lever was like one of those things that goes into the bit that makes the points move. Everybody's looking. Do you know what points are? Yeah, good, right. <laughs> well, it's just that when you get into engineering-y stuff, sometimes you, I do leave people. You know, I can talk about thermodynamic. Uh, anyway, so yeah, you make the points move. And there I was with this lever. And it, I ha- it was like I had the power by moving this lever to change where this enormous locomotive was. Where it was going, you know, you watch these videos and the things sort of they're going bo, 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 bo. and there's power there. There's an awful lot of power. You think there's 200 wagons. Those things are massive. I mean, it's a good job Western Australia is a big place. The amount of mud and iron ore and stuff that comes out the ground and fills those 200 wagons long. It's long. There's a lot of power. There's a lot of stuff there. And with this thing in my hand, I could affect where it went. And it took me a little while to work it out. But anyway, I'll come back to it. So now you know why. If I'm suddenly looking a bit out of it when, I'm, when you're leading worship. Sorry, Josh. It could be that. <laughs> or it could be that I'm just unspiritual and, uh, and whatever. But anyway, we're going to read um, uh, from Luke 18. But just so you know, um, in Luke 17, verse 20, a Pharisee comes up to Jesus and says, so when's When's the kingdom of God going to come? When's God's rule going to come? When are things going to be done the way God wants it to be done? I'm not really a great expert on first century uh, Palestine and what it was like to live there, but I can't imagine that it was, even by today's standard, particularly just. Um, Jesus talks about some Galileans that went up to Rome, and the ruler, the boss... Quotes mixed their blood with their sacrifices. So I'm not sure what they'd done, but it doesn't sound like they'd done anything particularly wrong from the way it's reported, and they were just killed at the time they went up to make a sacrifice in the temple. Basically, might was right in those days. And um, so, and basically, if you were a Jew, you were weak in those days. And so the Pharisees saying, When's God going to come? When's God going to sort it out? When's the kingdom of God? going to come and Jesus says to him well actually the kingdom of God's in your midst it's right here right now your time to respond to the kingdom of God is here and now and then he starts talking to the disciples about the coming of the son of man which is something that's going to happen at the end of time when Jesus comes and establishes God's kingdom on earth God's rule God's reign here in a way that's profound where things are done the way like Things are done on earth the way they are in heaven. Everything will be put right. Death will be done away with. Sickness will be done away with. Injustice will be done away with. It's going to be absolutely amazing. But we've not made it there yet. And so Jesus uh, Jesus goes through all this stuff. And then he tells them a parable about keeping praying and not giving up in this time. In between when Jesus comes to sort it all out. And now that we've had a chance to respond to the kingdom of God in our own lives. To put God's rule in place in here. So let's read the passage. I feel a little bit naked, but this is um, not physically, you understand. Um, But this is the Bible here. It's just my eyesight. So I would normally like to have brought my Bible, opened it up. But so do believe. Anyway. Luke 18 verse 1. And whoever asked me to speak on this parable, I just want to say thank you, because it become very clear. it's very clear what it's about. And I don't speak in church that often, and it's ever so obvious what I'm supposed to say. So, and he told them a parable to the effect that they should always pray and not lose heart. He, and he said, in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. Probably didn't mind a bribe. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterwards he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay over them? I tell you, he will give them justice speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? And then there's another parable that was in the passage I was given. And he also told them this parable. To some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee standing by himself prayed thus. God I thank you that I am not like other men. Extortioners, unjust, adulterers or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I get. But the tax collector standing far off would not even lift his eyes up to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. In these two parables... I said there's two people facing a massive challenge. Actually, there's three people facing a massive challenge. First parable, there's a widow. Widows were very poor, had no national security or anything like that, no income. The only way she could get justice is by banging on the door of this unjust judge, banging and banging and banging. And that's what she did. She was impossible. It was impossible for her to do it by herself, to sort it out by herself. In the other one, the person that's aware he's got facing a massive challenge is the tax collector. He's aware that his life would not enable him to stand before the, the living God. He's pure and righteous and holy. You know, when we cry out for justice, sometimes I think we probably need to be crying out for mercy as well, don't we? For ourselves. I might wanna, I might, I'm very aware sometimes of the injustice to me in any given situation. I'm not always aware of the injustice that I deal out in various situations. We need mercy. The tax collector was aware of that. The Pharisee wasn't. But actually, he faced the biggest challenge—a bit the same big challenge. These challenges are beyond us. The widow couldn't sort herself out. The tax collector couldn't sort himself out. And neither could the Pharisees. It happens. What do we do when we're faced by massive challenges that we can't face, sort out? How do we respond in that situation? And Jesus says... The first one, you pray and you keep on praying. In the second one, you pray and ask God for mercy. When we're faced with our inability to relate to God, we pray. When we're faced with situations that we can't overcome, you pray. Jesus said we should pray and not lose heart. I've got to make sure I get the right side of these. Uh, pieces of paper right so if we go back to the the picture of the freight train what makes a difference you know we want to see god's power coming down our streets we want to see god's healing touching the people we pray for we want to see people crying out to god for forgiveness we want to see our city our land changed we want to be standing pulling the points in prayer Pulling the lever in our prayers. So that train, that love, that grace, that power, all moves down the road. Now, is that the only way God operates? Of course not. Of course God isn't like an inanimate freight train that only goes where we ask him to or tell him to. But neither is he an unjust judge. And Jesus said it's a bit like when you pray, it can feel like you're talking to an unjust judge. And neither is an evil father who would give us a stone when we ask for fish and all that sort of stuff. Actually, it's a snake when we ask for fish and a stone when we ask for bread, isn't it? But anyway, neither is he like that. But Jesus said, in these situations, it's a bit like that. You know, why did Jesus go to Jairus' house? Why was Jesus diverted to Jairus' house? Because Jairus asked him. Jairus came to him and asked in a sense. Why did he stop on the way to Jairus' house to heal the woman with the issue of blood? Because she touched his cloak. She asked him. She prayed. Why did Bartimaeus, get his sight back. Why were ten lepers healed? There's all sorts of stories in the Bible about what makes a difference. And if we ask God, it makes a difference. God, sure, 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 sure. God does all sorts of wonderful and exciting things without us asking for it. Absolutely amazing, and it's brilliant when he does. But he also does stuff when we ask him for it. We should always pray and not lose heart. That's what it says. It says, that's what Jesus said. So uh, there you go. So what I want to do uh, is just be practical about prayer. Now, I'm not talking necessarily, well, I'm just going to talk about what it's like for me. Uh, hopefully it will be helpful to you. The first thing I did when I wanted to get a bit better at praying, and I wouldn't say I've made it but by any stretch of the imagination, but, you know, in Luke 11 verse 1, Jesus' disciples come to him and say, Lord, teach us how to pray just like, John taught his disciples. So that's a good place to start, isn't it? Why don't we ask Jesus to teach us how to pray? Not a bad idea. That's what I did. And what I, what I found is very, very helpful as I've prayed that prayer and gone down that route is trying to establish some routine, some routines in my life. One of the things, oh, a long time ago, before some of you were born probably, um, I went to a meeting in Bracknell, of all exciting places. And... Um, there was a guy called um, Mike Bickle, I think his name was. It was Mike Bickle, wasn't it? Anyway, Mike Bickle was preaching in Bracknell, and he said, unanointed prayer counts. Unanointed prayer counts. Now, I'm a... I don't know if you realize this, but I'm quite an inspirational person, and I love it when I'm praying and I sort of connect and go, yes, isn't God wonderful? It's fantastic. Lord Jesus, we really want to help you to... Uh, sorry, we really want your help to see all these people saved and people, all sorts of stuff happening. But sometimes... It, it doesn't work like that. Is it worth praying when it isn't working like that? Yes. Unanointed prayer counts. God, God didn't say the widow's p- uh, pleading only worked when she prayed in an inspired way. It was the rep- repet- repetitiousness. Is that a word? It's not, is it? The repetitiveness, thank you, of her making a request day after day after day. Thank you. Uh, isn't Look at that. A wonderful help meet suitable for me. Isn't that amazing? Um, so, uh, yeah, on and on and on. That's what made the difference. That's what made the difference. And, um, yeah, that's what we need. Unanointed prayer counts, repeated prayer counts. You don't have to feel excited all the time. And some of the routines I've got into... I've been very helped by a guy called Dave Smith, who's going to be at oh, there all sorts of salt and light conferences recently. And he talked about having a place, a time, and a pattern to pray in. So the place, when Jesus talked about praying, he, he said, go to a small room, go and lock yourself in the cupboard almost, and pray. Matthew 6 and 6. When we're praying, first and foremost, it's between God and us. We're not putting on a show. We're not standing up. We're not you know, trying to be the Pharisee and pray the best prayer, or even me and pray the best prayer in a meeting. We're trying to be having our relationship with God. That's where it all kicks off, a relationship with God, Matthew 6.6. 6. Time. Um, Peter and John were going to the temple at the time of prayer in Acts 4, I think, maybe. Uh, anyway, they were definitely going to the temple at the time of prayer. And at that time, there was a beggar at the gate uh, who was lame. And an amazing miracle happened because they were going to the temple at the time of prayer. Actually, the the beggar asked as well, by the way. Uh, They were going to the temple at the time of prayer. Cornelius was praying at 3 o'clock in the afternoon when an angel appeared to him. 3 o'clock in the afternoon was a time of prayer. There's a routine there. For me, the routine, I've got two routines. One is um, when I get up. I like to pray when I get up. I find that the most helpful time for me, um, not 3 o'clock in the afternoon. The other thing I do um, is I, I tend to pray the Lord's Prayer whenever I get in the car. It's my job. I get to do a lot of driving around, often quite short journeys. So I'll get in the car, turn the ignition on, and say the Lord's Prayer if I remember. And most times I do. So, yeah, what I do is I um, get in the car, do say the Lord's Prayer, If it's the first thing in the morning, then I put on my Singing for Snorers CD vocal exercises, which has been a great blessing to my wife. (laughs) I'm just just telling you about my life. And then, um, often as not. I'll try and pray in tongues after that. So I'll be driving along praying in tongues. Sometimes I get distracted, and you've got to do a bit of driving, but... um, (laughs) just you can always start again people say oh i start when i put praying tongues in the car well it's all right i didn't understand it before so i'll start again i don't understand it going forward probably but um, i can carry on i can start again doesn't really matter so that's what i do and the last thing i want to talk about so that's um, a place so for me it's the car and um first thing in the morning at home i've got a chair i sit in I i don't know why but i've got a special chair i sit in to do it there is a sort of glory shine around this chair actually not really not really uh, and then the last thing is a pattern a pattern of prayer and uh, going back to luke 11 really helped me because jesus said when you pray say father hallowed be your name so i thought that was a bit of a clue for me now a lot of people other people might not find it so helpful to keep praying the lord's prayer but it works for me jesus said pray this say this father Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Actually in Luke it doesn't say your will be done. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive others who have debts against us. Say that. That's easy. It's really easy. And Jesus said that's what to do. Focus us on relationship. We start off with the father. Now I know father can be difficult for some people. But God is the father who inspires all fatherhood who breathes all fatherhood, who is the one. It's in Ephesians. He is the one that brings fatherhood. He is our father. He is the one who gives us life. He is the one who gives us hope. My dad was a good dad. I was lucky. I was blessed in that respect. But now he's dead. He can't help me anymore. My living heavenly father is continually good to us. He's continually kind. He's continually, my dad was a human dad. He's limited, a man. My heavenly father can do all sorts of incredible things and does. But he's a father that loves us, a father that cares for us, a father that's there for us. Relationship, we come to a father. That's how we kick off. Father. Hallowed be your name. Let's praise him. He is good to us. He is kind to us. Let's give him the glory due. That is a reason worth living for. His glory. His, all the good things that we know he wants to do. You know, all that rightness that he wants to do on earth. All that justice we want him to bring in now that we keep praying for. That he's going to bring in totally at the end of time. But we're praying for a little bit of it to come in now. Or a big bit of it to come in now. Yeah, let's have him. Let's praise him. That's worth doing it. It's worth seeing people set free. It's worth seeing people not imprisoned or worse for preaching the name of Jesus all around the world. It's worth praying for those things. It's worth praying for that he could be glorified. Let's pray for things to change in line with God's will. Let's do it. Let's pray for healing. Let's pray for people to become be saved as a result of the work of our missional communities. Let's pray for our friends to come to know Jesus. Let's pray for transformation in our city. Let's pray for David Cameron, Cameron. He's got a tricky job. You might not agree with his politics, but let's pray for him. It's better if he does the right thing than if he does the wrong thing. Let's pray that he does the right thing. Won't do any harm. Might do some good. Let's keep praying. Let's pray for him. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Provision. Give us this day our daily bread. Let's pray. Let's pray for more. Let's pray for the food that we need. Let's pray for enough and enough to give away. Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's look to our father who loves us and cares for us and wants to give us so many good things. Let's ask for forgiveness. We need it. We need it. You know we don't bung it up front and come to God and say I'm evil all the time. You come to your father and your forgiveness it in the pattern that Jesus gave us is down the list. But let's pray it. Let's ask for forgiveness. We need it. We are people in need of the grace and mercy of a loving Heavenly Father. Let's ask for it. Let's ask for protection. Let's ask. Don't lead us into temptation. Do you know, the easiest temptations to face, sorry, to deal with, to reject, are the ones that I never have to face it's never a problem to, for me to avoid those. If I've never had a cake placed on my seat on a Sunday morning meeting, it's not a problem for me not to eat it during the worship. It's not a problem. Let's pray that God doesn't lead us into temptation. Isn't that a kind thing for Jesus to, to ask us to, to suggest we pray? I like that. I like it. So that's... Um, <clears throat> a, uh, a routine in prayer that I think we'll find helpful if we can put it that's really helped me I think asking God for some practical steps and practical measures to put a routine into your life of prayer could be really really fruitful for you the other thing I just wanted to underline really was praying in tongues now um I've got a couple of minutes so back in the day when I was when I was a boy when I was a boy it was like um it was all really, really new. I think probably Dave might remember this, Dave, <laughs> this sort of era, you know. And it was almost like um, you'd be in, a con- in the congregation I was in. There was, I don't know how many of us that got filled with the Spirit, say 10%, maybe less. And we'd sort of sort of bunch together and we'd have our little meetings, uh, extra meetings these would be, where we could all sort of do our charismatics, praying in tongues. Did you do this in Canada or is it different where you're from? yeah yeah so we'd uh, so we'd get into our little meetings and we'd sort of uh, encourage one another and it'd be so exciting that we could pray in tongues you know wow yes but as we've um, sort of grown and got more and more used to it and Praise God, the Anglicans and the Baptists and the Methodists and all sorts of other people have realized what a good thing it is to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, have God's power, God's Holy, filled with the Holy Spirit. To be filled with the Holy Spirit is a command of Scripture. And it's really great that it's happened across the church and throughout the church through things like Soul Survivor and um, Spring Harvest and all those wonderful initiatives. But what has happened a little bit is sometimes we just sort of forget about the importance of praying in tongues. You know, he who speaks in an unknown tongue builds himself up. And, you know, it might not be the best thing to do when we're all together. But when you're by yourself, do you want to be built up? Not a bad idea? I think I I'll go for it. Yeah, please. I'll uh, pray in tongues. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, speaking to God is also good for giving thanks. Uh, this is, these are some verses I picked out from 1 Corinthians 14. So speaking to God. Verse 4, it's good for building you up, which is what I've just been talking about. 17, it's good for giving thanks. And 18, Paul more or less says, do it a lot. <laughs> do it a lot. Do it a lot. I, pray, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. <laughs> it's not bad, is it? So do it a lot. Just get on with it. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. And so, obviously, my job... It's a bit easier for me when I'm driving along in the car, I admit. I admit. So, when I'm doing my... singing for Sonora's exercises, I can almost pretend that's speaking in tongues, actually. But um, But... Nobody hears me doing it. It's, anyway, and by the same token, if I'm going along praying in tongues, I'm not upsetting people because they don't know I'm doing it. The fact that it's unintelligible to me isn't a problem to the person driving past me in another car, is it? Now, I admit, that if you work in an office, and, uh, and I did, I worked in a drawing office and then I worked in another office, it isn't quite so stra- straightforward. But God gives us grace to do what he wants us to do, what he encourages us to do in a way that works for us. So if you want to do it, um, the Bible encourages us to do it, then ask God for a way to make it happen. God is good. So, yeah, that's my exhortation on speaking in tongues. But if, if that's, uh, look, I know that for a number of people, you've come to God, you've asked to be able to speak in tongues, and it's not happened for you yet. I think we should keep praying and not lose heart. I mean, it's not a justice issue. But God did say to those, you know, about, Jesus did say that on the other thing, how much more, you know, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those that ask him? And it's the Holy Spirit that enables us to speak in tongues, to pray in tongues, to sing in tongues. Let's ask for it. So, in conclusion, keep praying. And don't lose heart. Um, one other thing I did feel, which is nothing to do with the sermon directly, well, it is sort of indirectly, is I just feel that God wants to release more power uh, through his church. Let's put it like that. And I think that would be a good thing to be praying for. But if, um, if there's something on your heart that you want prayer for and you'd like somebody to stand with it, we're gonna, there's an opportunity now to have somebody stand with you And we can pray for an issue. If you want to speak in tongues, somebody can stand with you and we can pray with you about that. If there is an issue where you feel that you've been denied the justice that's due you, somebody will stand with you and we can pray about that. If you feel that you need healing in some way, shape or form, somebody can stand with you and we'll pray about that. Yeah, that'd be really good, I think. Because it's our Heavenly Father that's the one with all the power. And all the ability to bring change, and all the ability to do all sorts of great things. What we're doing is we're standing like a person at the points, pulling the lever and saying, God, come down this track. Come down this track. Come into the life of Josh Wells. He needs it. (laughs) No, it's brilliant. Well, you do, but um, I say that because he. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Before I dig dig a bigger hole, he's a good mate. (laughs) And that's how I feel I can get away with it. That's what I'm trying to say. But come down this track, Lord Jesus. Come down. Let's come down on Josh. Come down. Come down. Come down this line, Lord Jesus. Come down the Cowley Road. When we're at G&D's trying to tell people about you, Lord Jesus, please (laughs) come down the Cowley Road when we're doing that. Please come in to the Cape of Good Hope when we're trying to tell people about you there, please come to your or community. What's your, um, just call out. What sort of things would you like God to come into? Edge, equip housing, come in. Let people come and see. be saved there. Come in to family life. Come down this track, Lord Jesus. Come in to stroke support. Come in here, Lord Jesus. Yeah? Brilliant. So... um, you've got a song we could just um, we'll just stand up we'll worship if you want god to come in come down your line and you feel that somebody here can help you pray for that with you then now is a great time to come forward and let somebody stand with you and pray for you if if you feel that you just want to do it um if that's fine with you if you're fine praise god have a good week uh, we're back here next week